Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Locked on Heat is an intelligent and entertaining daily podcast covering the Miami Heat and the NBA. Like I said, it's daily, five times a week. So subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play, because we'll be there every morning waiting for you. You can email the show at LockedOnHeat at gmail.com, where you can send us questions for our weekly mailbag, inquire about advertising, or just say hi. And finally, we're asking you, the listener, to go on iTunes and leave us a rating, and even a review if you're feeling particularly generous. It helps. Now, on to the show. part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, editor at allyoucanheat.com. With me on the other line, esteemed NBA writer and writer at large, David Rommel. <laughs> writer at large, I like it. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty generic label, but you know what? I, I'd like to think that I have a, a pretty good grasp on the NBA, so thanks for having me on, Wes. <laughs> As always, absolutely. Um, so we usually do a Mailbag Monday, and by usually we did it once, and we we're going to say that we did it every week, and then we already broke our promise, because now we're going to do a Mailbag Friday. But that's because we're going on a break next week. So we didn't want to not be able to answer your questions. We didn't want to deprive our great listeners of that. So right. we're going to just push the Mailbag up to today, Friday. How's that sound? And should we, I, th- I think it sounds great. And should we forget to mention it later on, thank you so much to everybody who's written in. Not just with specific questions that we can address, but just general commentary. We always want to hear back from all of our listeners. So if you have anything, anything you disagree with, agree with, even want to say nice things about us, we always want to hear from all of our listeners. So thank you so much, and we appreciate it. Absolutely. Let's get into it. Um, Absolutely. So this first question, I should probably get these questions in front of me, right? If uh, yeah, That's a good start. Okay. So from Mr. Tayshon Flats asks, if we could go back, if the Heat could go back and do a redraft for last year's NBA draft when, when the Heat got Justice Winslow, I guess would if we could go back, you and I, David, if we could go back and control the draft, would we still take Justice Winslow or would we take somebody else, maybe a Devin Booker, or Kelly Oubre, whoever it might be? Mm. Miles Turner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think uh, Oubre was... Uh... A player that you and I both thought had a lot of potential. I think that was a, a, a one that we well, we never thought that Winslow would drop to tenth. So I, I think right. that given the the potential departure at that time of Luol Deng, we didn't know what he was going to do in free agency. We thought maybe Deng would move on because he had oh he could have opted out of the the second year of his two year contract. So we weren't sure what was going on, and we thought Chris Bosh would be back. So. We also thought there might be a hole at small forward, and you know that's why they selected Winslow, who did unexpectedly fall to tenth. But I think Ubre was a guy we wanted to see. But if I could go back, I don't know that I'd necessarily select Ubre. I think there's an argument to be made about Devin Booker, right? Spe- specifically because Dwayne Wade left. I think there was even chatter last summer that um, the Heat might draft Devin Booker. Wasn't yes, that Booker was high on Riley's list. If right. Justice Winslow doesn't fall. There's a strong belief that Booker is one of maybe the one or two guys that Riley was looking at to pick in the draft last year. 
Well, and if I remember, if I remember correctly, I think Riley even spoke to Booker and specifically told him something that we saw from Winslow this past year is that, you know, that if Booker was drafted in Miami, and I think even Booker mentioned that, that Miami would be a great fit for him. And, and clearly three point shooting was an area of weakness right. that we needed right. to develop and that he would be able to learn specifically from Wade as an all time great mentor. We saw recently from Winslow when he was acknowledging Wade's departure, how much of an impact that had on him being able to learn from an all time great. So I'm you imagine that Booker. Because if you yeah. have Devin Booker and Wade leaves, all of a sudden you have a bona fide future star at shooting guard. I'm a big Devin Booker fan. So sure, I think people are. If I can go back now, and I'm assuming the question asks us if we can go back now, and I'm assuming that means knowing what we know now and also going back in time to do a redraft. Right. So knowing that Dwayne Wade is going to leave for Chicago, there is a real strong argument to be made that the Heat should draft Devin Booker over Justice Winslow. I really, I love Justice Winslow. I love his, I think his his ability on defense is rare. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's his potential because of his defense. If he can, if he can manage an offensive game, if he can find an, a three point shot or or a game at the rim or something, you know, if he could find something to hang his hat on on offense, he could be better than Devin Booker. I think athletically he's already better, right? He's got a he's got a better build and he's more athletic than Devin Booker. Yes. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think he's, also got a, he's he's a good facilitator, just like Devin Booker is. I don't know, man. That's a tough call. So so Booker would be your choice to replace Winslow if I, you could go back and do a redraft. If I had to, if I wasn't allowed to draft Winslow, Booker would be my choice. I think there's an there's there's a argument to be made that they should draft Miles Turner, right? Ah, God, you, you keep taking the words out of my mouth, man. And I, I guess we've been doing this podcast for too long because knowing Bosch is a, is a big question mark, not just this upcoming season, but perhaps for the rest of his career, however long or short that might be. I think you need to go with a guy who fits a number of positions, who could be a very good player down the line. Like a lot of people probably don't think highly of Miles Turner because he was a you know, he struggled to to get used to the NBA game at first. There are some questions about his overall strength and, and athleticism. But he showed as the season progressed that he was also progressing. And I think he fit a, a real nice piece for a, a good, unexpectedly good Indiana team that nobody really counted on being a strong team. And and in the playoffs, uh, you know, well, actually, no, Indiana. Yeah, Indiana did make the playoffs, and he yes. had a really good showing. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm forgetting I myself. Mean, it's hard to remember because they played on NBA TV against the Raptors in the first round and lost. <laughs> Those are right. That's right. I'm sorry. I, you know, it's only a couple months, but I think, I think like Pacers most NBA fans forget that they made the playoffs last year too. Well, those were brutal games. Remember, they yeah. were like in the low or high 70s every year, all the time. It was just yeah. a really painful game to watch. But he was one of the few strong points for Indiana. I think for a pretty weak roster overall, other than George Hill and Paul George, I think uh, you know Miles Turner was arguably their third best player. He's got range from outside, which is still expanding, still developing. He can block shots. He has. Uh, he's not necessarily a strong rebounder at this point, despite his overall length. But he's got a good. NBA build. He just needs to get a little bit stronger. He needs to tone up a little better. He's a little soft, and I think that's fair because of his overall youth. I mean, he's a he's a kid who was really pudgy and overweight when he grew up, and he kind of just had a growth spurt, and then all of a sudden he started thriving on the basketball court, had one really solid year at Texas, and then he fell to Indiana, I think, with the, was it the 11th or 13th pick? I can't remember it was, it was, exactly I which, but... I think it was 13. Right, so, I mean... Might have been 12. He, still a lottery pick, 
No, I think no, Oklahoma City was top. But anyway, yeah, something like that. It, it, regardless, it's the top 15 pick. But, I, I, you know, given Bosch's situation, it's nice to have a guy you can fall back on because, you know, we look at, we look at the power forward position. A guy young Bosch, right? Absolutely. And he had a lot of it. He's got, he's got some good moves down low. He's got a good spin move. He's got a nice little hook shot. You know, he, he's a good offensive player. And I'm really curious to see whether or not he takes the next leap as a sophomore. So would you... If you're going back and you're the only GM, right? Do you take Turner or Booker over Winslow, or do you take Winslow? I, I think you have to, not knowing because, as Riley himself said, that the situation is so fluid, not knowing exactly what's going to happen with Bosch. At this point in time, I'd say that the power forward position is arguably one that of biggest need because, especially as as teams go toward more towards small ball lineups, et cetera, not knowing what, you know, what steps Whiteside is going to take as he, you know, now that he's signed that huge contract, you need a player who is some length with some size who can space the floor. I think, you know, it's, it's arguably the most important position now in the NBA. I think the stretch forward, the, the versatile stretch for, I would have to take a guy like Turner. I recall you making the same exact argument last summer, right before the draft. I'm consistent. <laughs> If anything else, um, I'm still taking Winslow, man. I like him. Yeah, look, I do too. And I yeah. think, you know, Winslow at his at his size, because, you know, as you and I both verified up close and personal <laughs> in summer league, he's grown. He is a guy who's strong enough, who has still – he's still young enough, just 20 years old, right? And he's still got room to put on more muscle. He can get substantially stronger over the course and of his, his NBA career. Like you, t- you talked about me right, stretch four the being the most important position. I could ar- you know, I could argue that – Having a versatile wing player that could guard positions one through five—that Winslow literally showed he can guard anybody between a point guard and a center. Last it's season a as call. a rookie, it's a it's a, it's a tough call, but yeah, you're right. I, I mean, Winslow, Winslow can be a prototype of the NBA that we have yet to see. Like, okay. I mean, for all the comparisons to Draymond Green and everything else, those might be a little bit too strong to make, but he could be that kind of player. We just don't know yet. We're not sure, but I mean, it's a toss-up. I, to me, I think Still Devin, Devin Booker is a good man. option. Devin yeah, Devin Booker, Turner, Winslow, all three very good options. You can't go wrong with either one of them just because of what they're able to do. I mean, Turner has you know room uh, has a lot of potential. Booker is is an elite level shooter already as a rookie, uh, and Winslow could be a prototype at number a number of different positions. So yeah, they're they're a good fit either way. And a good question by Tayshawn Flats. Thanks again for that question. Agreed. Next, next to our next on to our next question. Um, who starts at the four if Chris Bosch isn't ready to go? That's asked to us on Twitter by Adam underscore, I um, apologize if I botch this, Bore, B-O-R-A-I. Sorry if I messed that up, Adam. Um, so, yes, you guys can email us questions. You can also tweet us questions at LockedOnHeat. That's on Twitter. Um, so if Bosch can't go, who starts at the four? I'm going to lean towards Derek Williams. And I say yeah. that because... He was signed before James Johnson. I don't know if that has any significance. I don't know if that's because his agent worked better with the Heat's front office. I don't know if the Heat prioritized Derek Williams over James Johnson. I also view James Johnson as somebody who might play the three more because of his perimeter defense defending skills. He's not a very versatile offensive player. He basically shoots at the rim. He basically dunks. That's how he scores. Um, Put back rebounds, things like that, which sounds like a power forward, a small ball power forward. In today's game, but his ability to guard threes, I view him more as a backup 
uh, to Justice Winslow. So I think Derek Williams is a guy that gets the start. I think, you know, you and I talked about Derek Williams when, when mm-hmm. he signed him. He has some, okay, maybe this guy can blossom in the modern NBA like Marvin Williams type potential. Because Absolutely. He was drafted I, number two overall out of Arizona. Right. The game hasn't, the game didn't, he was a tweener 3 4, didn't really have a place. Maybe the NBA has evolved more for guys like Derek Williams. And you look at his situation, the teams that he's played for. He's played for a, a really shaky Minnesota team that was still looking for an identity before the, you know, before the addition of Carl Anthony Towns that all of a sudden has taken them, you know, leaps and bounds into a potential playoff contender. Yeah, and then from there, yeah, they he went to a dysfunctional Kings team and then he went to an even more dysfunctional Knicks team. So he's been through a short career. That might have been the worst. Around. Sorry, that might have been the worst diss to the Knicks I've ever heard. More dysfunctional yes. than the Kings. Go on, but that was well, I mean, that was a burn right there. <laughs> well, I mean, I think if not dysfunctional, the I Kings think are Jerry dysfunctional. Dubin unlocked on Knicks on here to comment. <laughs> All right, so maybe dysfunctional isn't the right term, but no, it's totally lacking right. identity. I mean, yeah, okay, Perfect. lacking a clear identity because you don't know you've got a coaching situation that's up in the air. The, the triangle, triangle offense that you're looking to maybe sometime implement or blow up, depending on the daily basis, you know, there and, and and the you know the personnel that doesn't necessarily match the overall you know theme of your team or whatever style of play you want to address. So that's that you know it's difficult to fit in there. But I, I you look at Williams and and given his struggles, you think to yourself, oh, he's a journeyman, he's not really going to be able to compete. But there's potential there. There's athletic potential there. I think he can be coached right. I think he can be developed right. Mm-hmm. And I think Miami's the perfect team. I think that's why he chose Miami. There was a big, I think, selling point for. Him and I think Adrian Wojnarowski of Yahoo actually said it is that he's seen what Miami can do for players kind of middling around and looking to take that next step in their development and and that's why he chose Miami because he wants to be able to cash in next year when the salary cap continues to increase and and, and you know he wants to be able to you know lock on to a big contract in the future and he wants to get better as a player and that's a great thing for Miami because he's going to listen to a, a stable coaching environment he has that here in Miami he has even if the roster is somewhat in turmoil right now because of the loss of Dwayne Wade and right. and Dang and James and you know Joe Johnson etc there's still enough stability in place here where I think they can maximize whatever talent and physical ability he has which we haven't really seen the most of you just hope it's not too late to uncover that okay um quickly a pros and cons argument, right? Just maybe like 140 characters or less, pros or cons. Josh McRoberts starting at power forward, pros and cons. Go. Um, poor defense, no, doesn't space the floor effectively anymore, and I don't think – I think you want the, the facilitator role in offense to be Winslow's, not McRoberts. That's the cons. What about the pros? None. Zero. Okay, good. Uh, I'll take the pros. Um Another facilitator, if the Heat are going to look to move the ball and maybe play quote-unquote positionless, McRoberts maybe fits that bill the most out of anybody. Okay. He's somebody that doesn't need the ball. So maybe that gives Dragic, Whiteside, and Winslow, and, and Josh Richardson, you know, who's likely going to start at the two, um, opportunity to keep growing within their offensive games. But I agree with you on the cons, and I think those outweigh the pros. Uh, Luke Babbitt. Babbitt the Rabbit! Pros and cons. Uh, poor defense. Can't defend. Doesn't really fit the position. Um, uh, pros. 
good floor spacer. I mean, he can shoot, but that's basically all he can do. I, I don't know how much I don't know how much of a ceiling he has if he wasn't able to find that in his limited experience in New Orleans. So you wonder if there's any any way for him to grow here in Miami. I agree. I agree. Um, would Josh McRoberts get the start if he didn't cut his hair? <laughs> yes. Absolutely. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, right. Okay. Thanks, Adam, for that question. Moving on to question number three. This was asked by Leon DaCosta via email. Um, if Josh Richardson isn't going to play backup point guard like he did so often last year, who does? And who's the best? So that's that's basically what Leon asked. I wanted to reformat this question a little bit, Leon. I hope you don't mind. I like the idea here with who's the backup point guard, given all the player, all the guards that the Heat have. They're kind of other than Goran Dragic, they're all young, unproven, basically. So between Josh Richardson, uh, Tyler Johnson, Briante Weber. Wayne Ellington and 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 Magruder, who could who could make the roster? Did you mention Briante Weber too? Yeah, Briante Weber. I said him. Um, of all those guys, who do we view as maybe the backup point guard? I do think, and just to intro this, I do think Richardson is going to start at shooting guard. But as we know with Eric Spolstra, he doesn't sometimes go with just clean rotations. It's he's, mm. he could be very wacky with his rotations. So. There could be a situation where Tyler Johnson or Wayne Ellington or one of these guys is the first guard off the bench and they fill in at the shooting guard spot and Josh Richardson is the de facto backup point guard when and he just moves over to the one when Goran Dragic goes and sits down for his break, right? Yeah. So Richardson could be the starting shooting guard but also be the, the primary backup Back point, point at the same time. So who do you think? I think that's a legitimate option. I think I'm trying to really envision because we just don't know I, I'm not sure that I know enough about Tyler given his limited experience in playing time and the the kind of mixed rotations that he was a part of over his you know year and a half in the league who would you qualify at this point in time as the better facilitator yeah. him or Richardson uh, they honestly right? I mean, struggled last year I right. think I at mean, this point I would say Richardson Yes, I agree. That's why I think he's probably the ideal backup because I'm trying to think of the number of times that Tyler brings the ball down. I, I just don't see – I mean I think he played kind of off Wade at times. I think yeah. he was the kind of guy or maybe off Dragic on occasion. But you know, he wasn't really bringing the ball up. I don't think he was really called to initiate offense. He was just kind of the guy who you know, caught the ball, released, and, and, and maybe came around a curl and was able to explode towards the rim using his incredible athleticism or – maybe find himself open or along the perimeter for or a three-point shot, but he wasn't really the kind of guy that you relied on to either dribble much or initiate offense, and I think that's something that they're actively looking to develop in Richardson, so I think he's better suited for the role. In his first year in Miami, that like that half season that he played after getting called up from the D-League, according right. to basketball reference, he played 77% of the time at shooting guard. Last year, though, he played, it was basically 50-50. He played 52% at point guard and 48% at shooting guard. But I think you're right. Even when he's at point guard, I think he was playing mostly off Dwayne Wade, who was bringing the ball up. Right. Or somebody else who was bringing the ball up. Um, I don't you, know. You assume, I, maybe you assume because of Tyler's size that maybe he's more of the point guard type. But I just yeah. I think things are just so fluid nowadays. I don't think you can necessarily qualify him as a point guard just because he's under 6'4". I think he's kind of a – he feels like a combo guard. Just like a – sure put him out there and see what happens type guard. Um, just an energy guy. I think he can play the one and two. I don't know if he can facilitate enough 
to be a pure one. I don't know if he can defend twos well enough to be a pure two. Um, I could see a nice lineup where you could bring, like you mentioned, you could bring him off the bench as your sixth man, have him insert a little energy there, take Dragic out a little bit, move Josh over to the one, so that he can, yeah, and then and then take Richardson out and then bring in the combo of Dragic and Ellington, where you find, mm. you know, where, where Dragic is able to exploit those seams in the defense find a wide open Ellington and have him use his perimeter shooting as a strength for Miami as a backup rotation player. I like that as well. It's a shame that Tyler Johnson was involved in that. Well, it's not a shame because he got paid a lot of money and that's cool for him. But he sure did. It's, um, you know, if he was able to maybe work out a little bit more with Miami's summer league team, mm. that could have at least helped answer some questions and certainly help him develop. I think we saw a lot of Briante Weber handling the balls, particularly in Orlando. Josh Richardson got some reps as a point guard. It would have been nice mm-hmm. to have Tyler out there, too. Um, we should talk a little bit about Briante and even Magruder. Uh, I don't think I, – I think I mentioned this on another podcast this week. Weber is going to be a fan favorite. He's going to be one of those guys that comes in and plays yes. some really good defense right away. He's not Absolutely. He's not ready to facilitate in, at an NBA level. Uh, Magruder is more of a shooting guard anyway. I don't really see him playing point guard at all. I, I don't even see him playing much at all. I think a lot of people think that he might because he's a nice addition and they signed into a three-year deal. But I think you know that's. I think it's mostly another developmental case there, and I think he's going to spend most of his time in the D league, which is probably in his best interest to do so. All right, last question: um, Can any of these Heat players make the All Star team? Now it's another question by Adam Bore from Twitter. Um, see, if you ask on Twitter, you get all your questions answered. And we appreciate it. We Keep yeah. sending those questions in. So I think of all the players on the roster who can make the All-Star team, Whiteside, Dragic, they come to mind immediately. Of course, Bosch, if he can play. Um, do you, before we get on to maybe some other players, some other guys that might make the team or could make the team, hmm. um, if you had to bet a dollar on any of those guys, who would you say out of those three, or maybe most multiple of them of those three make the All-Star team? Would you, would you bet on any of them making the team, I guess? I'd say my money's almost completely on Whiteside. I think he, he represents a bit. I think point guard is so deep. Even the Eastern Conference, you've got guys like Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, you know, John Wall, et cetera. You've got so Dragic, many different... If Dragic plays to his all-NBA level, and I know that's what yes. fans keep wondering, if he plays to that all-NBA level, where does he rank in the East in point guards? Well, but still not to the level, I think, where he's going to be appreciated enough to gain... All star consideration. Yeah, Knowing it's that it's vote, a fan right? vote, yeah, but he's I guess very underrated. Where, where would you put him behind? Just like just you and I, where if we were ranking him and picking top point guards in the East, if he has a really good, if he's averaging, if he averages twenty points, six assists a game with fifty, forty, eighty shooting splits. If he, I mean, I, I look, I, I think, I think highly of Dragic. I think a lot of Heat fans do. I just think the the perspective is skewed that way. That you know, you don't consider him among the elite because maybe he might be a little bit. You know, less explosive, or he doesn't necessarily dominate and take over games, with the exception of that one really great playoff game. We haven't seen that kind of level of explosion from him. But yeah, I'd say he's probably the second tier. Um, John Wall, maybe below. Right? Yeah, John Wall, Kyrie Irving would probably be my top point guards, I think, in the Eastern Conference. And then after that, right it's pretty that, much anybody's game. Right you know? in that Kyle Lowry zone. Ah, I'm sorry, I even forgot Lowry. Yeah, Lowry's there. Look, Derek Rose, all that he yeah. slept, and he has a Huge contingent of fans, particularly now that he's in New York. You know he's going to get a lot of consideration if he's able Jeremy to, to match. Jeremy Lin's in Brooklyn, right? Lin's sanity best. 
Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a huge factor. Look, he's going to have a lot of votes one way or the other. I think he's a very popular player, so that's a guy who can probably get a lot of votes. So Dragic, yeah. I mean, is, is virtually assured of not getting an All-Star vote. He'd have to average 30 and 15. He'd have, which to, have, real, um, he'd have to have the best year of his career, right? Oh, by it far. It wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't even be living up to those Phoenix that Phoenix year that the no. Heat basically traded for. It would be having to live up to better than that. I think you're right about Whiteside. Specifically, as you alluded to, um, there's not a lot of great centers in the East, so right. fans want to see a real center, and I think Whiteside's probably the biggest guy. Keep in mind, Dwight Howard now is back in the Eastern Conference. He could give, mm. now that he's with the Hawks, maybe a better situation than, or almost certainly a better situation than whatever was going on in Houston. Um, he could you mean have maybe Horford in Boston? I mean, Horford I'm thinking in Boston, Horf- yeah, Horford could get some votes. I mean, it's not a sure thing that Whiteside gets in, I guess. Um, Horford could also get us a power forward nod, I think. Jakeem Noah in New York, too. I wonder that's... Mm, uh, yeah, New York's going to have a big vote, right? If it's a fan vote. If Noah yeah, has, I'm, I'm all Noah to... needs is a good half season, right? It's the All-Star game. It happens... It doesn't... It's not like... you know, Pal, Didn't Pal Gasol make the All-Star game? Uh, yeah, so, he sure did. And then he fell off afterwards, but he had a good half season. All you need is a good first half. About How about a sleeper pick of Roy Hibbert in Charlotte? Sorry, no. Sorry, <laughs> if there was an eject button for this podcast, I would have just hit it. <laughs> so, yeah, we're not expecting the Hibbert of Pacers lore to come back and, and, and dominate for the Hornets. No, and Lance Stevenson's not blowing in anybody's ears anytime soon either. Um, <laughs> He's still a free agent. Would you use – okay, I know this is not a Twitter question, but I'm interjecting my own question. From David Ramil on Twitter, he asks <laughs> – Given that Riley is unwilling to use his two point nine million no. uh, middle level exception, no. do you spend it on Lance Stevenson no. or Dion Waiters? Oh, Dion Waiters, right? Yes, yes. yes. Waiters Island comes oh, to South Beach. That's, Absolutely. How about, how, oh, I love that question though. Let's ask that. That's our mailbag question out to the listeners. You can get <laughs> back to us on email lockdownheat at gmail or Twitter at lockdownheat. If if Waiters and Lance Stevenson are both willing to sign for the mid level exception. Who do you pick, Lance Stevenson or Deion Waiters? Get at us. We want to know. Um, I don't know if there's anybody else. Chris Bosh, obviously, if he's healthy. Um, I mean, he's played the last two halves of the seasons, right? The last two first halves of the seasons. So he, he was an all-star last year, right? I mean, and the year before that. And I think, yeah, uh, yeah I think Chris Bosh, if he plays, is is so. I think we we're still almost stained from those big three years when people were were. We're just chiding him for being soft and, and just kind of hating on yeah, him. Yeah, two and a half, et cetera. He's, he's a perennial all-star. I mean, he makes it basically every year that he's healthy. And if and he's a big enough name where if he's healthy for the first half, I think he makes it. Um, is there anybody else on the roster? I mean, Justice Winslow would have to take a massive leap. Josh Richardson, maybe if he just goes hog wild in the first half and is hitting 50% of his threes again, I doubt he can make it, but it's like... You know, I'm just thinking with with a glut of players at the wing position, I just yeah. don't see Winslow being able to qualify. I'm, I'm trying to think in terms of overall. A couple of years away, right? From, from yeah, I think so. And it's just because of the way the whole voting situation works out, it's just unlikely. I mean, unless there's a huge contingent of Duke fans that are waiting to elect him, I just don't see him being able to get those kinds of votes. And Richardson, I think, is still for all of his strength. A lot of people still put him in that kind of. Norm Powell type level where he's a second round pick that showed some potential, but you don't really know too much about him. I mean, I think he was a, a factor for Miami. I think a lot of Heat fans 
were surprised at how good he was. But nationally, I don't think he's he's gained that kind of level of respect yet. Yeah, and I don't think that that Norman Powell comparison is inaccurate. I think Raptors fans think of him just as we as he fans think of Richardson. But um, I think that both of those guys may be a couple years away and and filling out the rest of their games away from being even considered for All Star games. So yeah, Bosch, Whiteside, Dragic are the biggest three names on the Heat, and probably the three names that could. That will get votes, you know. Either way, if they make it or not, those are the three guys that will likely get votes for the All Star, for the yeah. Eastern All Star team. Okay. Um, well, those are all our questions. Thank you to Leon DeCosta, Tayshawn Flats, and Adam Boré for those wonderful questions. You can get at us at lockedonheat at gmail.com or on Twitter at lockedonheat. You can find me at WC Goldberg on Twitter and David at dramil13 on Twitter. I got that right. Absolutely, and and make sure to let us know who you would pick. About either Lance Stevenson or definitely Deion Waiters. If you don't, if you have a response about somebody other than Deion Waiters, we don't want to hear it. <laughs> Waiters basketball no, lives on. I, Absolutely. I, I really like if that. Ca- I like the idea of this catching on. If if we get enough responses, I would like to do that every week with our Monday with our mailbag or whatever. It'll usually be on Mondays, but our weekly mailbag. I like our the mailbag idea question. Of just yeah. Retorting with a question to the listeners, I like that a lot. All right, so cool. See if it catches on. All right, thanks you. Thank you for listening to Locked On Heat part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Email us your questions or concerns or comments or just say hi, and um, we'll catch you next time. By the way, we're going on a week break, so that next time will be a week from now. So we'll be back in seven-ish, nine days, I don't know, whatever week is, but we're going to take a vacation. It'll be full of, you know, normal vacations that people take, like with PEDs and going to Miami to train and whatever it is that LeBron James does in Miami when he takes his mid-season break. <laughs> yeah, but we're that's also plenty of time for people to respond. Faster, David. That's right. We're recharging. You know, it's it's a long off-season grind and we need a, a couple of days to kind of process it all and see where we are in our next step of development. All right, we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, David. You got it, Wes.